everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I have a co-host today, Jenny. You guys have heard her before, but today she's coming on to talk all about self-care. But in case you don't know who she is, I'm going to let her introduce herself now. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Like you said, my name is Jenny. Um, you can find me on Instagram at littlelearners.bigfeelings. I am a K-5 emotional support teacher, so I teach a self-contained special ed classroom for students with severe behaviors. And um, I am also in my coursework now to get a master's in applied behavior analysis. And like I said, you can find me on Instagram where I'm just being my goofy, relatable behavior teacher self. <laughs> and you definitely want to go check out her reels because they are the best. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, but we're going to dive into self-care today. And I know there's a lot of talk about self-care, but it's easy to talk about it, hard to apply it. And so the first thing I wanted to talk about is I think a lot of people assume that self-care is taking a bubble bath or drinking a glass of wine or painting your nails. And they're like, why don't we need to do those things? And so can you explain a little bit more about what we mean when we say self-care, like what that truly means and why it is so necessary? Yeah. So like bubble baths and glasses of wine, like those can be self-care, but they're definitely not it by any means. And the term self-care is often misconstrued. Um, but when you really break it down, it's what it sounds like. It is taking care of yourself. And I always compare it to um, like, how would you care for a child or how would you care for a pet? And you'd make sure that they have food, that they have some place to sleep, that they're going to bed on time and getting enough sleep, that they don't have too much screen time, or that they're going out on walks if it's a, a dog that you're taking care of, or um, even having toys and things that they enjoy playing with. Like if you have a child in your life that you care about and they really like Barbies, you might not buy them a dump truck. <laughs> um, and so when you consider how you would take care of those that need you um, in whatever way in your life that that might be, self-care is really no different. It's just applying those principles to yourself. So recognizing and meeting your own needs. And I often compare this for the teacher nerds out there with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that you have to have those base like physiological needs, things like making sure you're eating enough, sleeping enough, drinking enough water, um, then kind of moving up on that hierarchy, making sure that you're organized, that you're taking good care of like your time and your finances, then moving up into relationships. Do you have friendships? Like cultivating friendships can be a form of self-care <laughs> if that's something that you need and that you're giving to yourself. And then, um, you know, working your way up until you reach that pinnacle on the triangle diagram we're so familiar with of like meeting your fullest potential. And that's really what self-care is about for me, is giving myself what I need to be the best version of, self, of myself that I can be. And, you know, why is it so necessary? To me, that's why. Like, we want to bring our best selves to our relationships, to our family, to our friends, to our jobs, whether that's in a classroom or in a clinic or elsewhere. Um, and then there's also all of, like, the mental health implications of when you don't meet those needs and you don't take care of yourself bad things happen. <laughs> um, and you aren't able to show up in your life and you aren't able to live um, your best life that you could if you were taking care of yourself proactively. 
as you talked about that, a visual popped into my mind that I feel at first you're going to be like, seriously, but <laughs> this is for all of my 90s kids out there. Jenny, you're a little bit younger than me, so I don't know if you did the same things as a kid, but did you ever play the Sims video game? Yes. So Yes, I was like right at like the cusp, okay. like right at the end of that. <laughs> so I was like in the generation that you played sims like all the time and so as yeah. you're talking i'm like well yeah my sims character if i didn't feed him and i didn't like have pictures on the wall he would like fall on the floor like that's <laughs> that was like a very real life example that i didn't pick yeah. up and that i probably should have because i would have done easier but just tried to live my own life the way i tried to make my sim mm -hmm. live their life so <laughs> any 90s kid hopefully that gives another visual of like why you truly have to do all of these things but like yeah, i said, love that <clears throat> like Jenny said at the beginning, bubble bath can be self-care, but it's not necessarily self-care. But the important thing to pull away from that is self-care is not the same for everybody. So what Jenny does for mm -hmm. self-care and what I do for self-care are probably different. And so a lot of people encourage me to exercise. I have an anxiety disorder and a lot of people say like, oh, exercise will help that. That's not really self-care for me. It's important for me, but that doesn't help me the way some of my other techniques help me. So just because something works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to be effective for you. So can we talk about how we know that whatever activity we've chosen is actually serving that self-care need in our life? Yeah, totally. And I think one thing that's also important to recognize is that self-care might change over time. You know, like I think back to when I was first teaching and I was still living at my parents. And for me, self-care was making sure I was prepared for the next day. Whereas now my self-care is making sure I don't work in the evenings <laughs> um, and, and how that changes. But I think you really have to focus on learning what your healthy self feels like versus what your unhealthy self feels like. And then kind of picking up on those clues for yourself of, um, you know, what what did I do before I felt my best? Mm -hmm. um, and what kinds of things are kind of those trends in like my habits and routines? Um, and take the time when you have the time, whether it's like spring break or summer or around the holidays, to just explore different things that are interesting, that might sound like something you'd enjoy, that just feel good, whether it's a new, um, a new hobby or even just like a new organizational strategy. Like for me right now, I just got a different planner because the one before wasn't feeding my self-care. Um, and there's a lot of good books on like learning what things feel good to you in terms of like what things you enjoy and what are interested and what add and cultivate your life. Um, I wrote down a few that I've read. I don't know if you've read any of these or any similar. Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert was one that really helped me explore. Like, these are things that are unique to me that I enjoy. Um, the Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin was a huge one for me in my own self-care journey. And then um, Flow by, I, I honestly can't, I'm going to try to pronounce the author's name. He's from Europe. I think it's Malay Chermanske, something along those lines. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. We'll put it in, I don't know, we'll put it somewhere. Um, <laughs> but like reading books about like flow or about creativity or about happiness um, really gives you a lot of ideas that you can then explore. Um, and I also found for me, it really helps to talk with people 
who are close to me, whether that's like my friends or um, my family or my partner, like my husband told me, he's like, I can tell you're in a good headspace and you've been taking good care of yourself because you're singing as you walk around the house. And oh, and if you follow that. me on Instagram, you'll notice that sometimes I sing as I'm working in my classroom. And, um, and so that's like one of my things and I'm like, okay, that's something that is just a natural byproduct of taking care of myself. And so then when I'm maybe down in the dumps, I'll purposely say like, I'm going to put on some music that's going to make me want to sing because I know it makes me feel better. Um, and this is going to sound weird, but I think data can be really important for us in like collecting data on ourselves. I did this. I felt this. I didn't do this. I felt this. Um, and that can really just help you notice things that you might not pick up on as you're just going through your daily life. Um, I've done that through apps like Bears Good Habits. That's my favorite app for like habit tracking. There's another one called Daily Mood Journal that's really good. Um, you can also do like pencil paper journals. You can build it into your planner or like a bullet journal. Um, but data is oddly enough something that really taught me a lot about what self-care works best for me. I'm totally here for the data. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would be. And just like another example, um, exactly what you're saying. If no one will see the video from this uh, interview, but if you saw me right now, you would see that I have makeup on and I'm dressed, even though I'm working from home. I took data on myself and realized when I just like rolled out of bed and I stayed in my pajamas, I didn't feel good that day. And like so many people like love like lounging around in sweatpants. It's a very like normal thing to do. So I really had to track and realize like that there's a correlation. Every single time I didn't get dressed up, I also had a bad day. So I made the shift of just every morning, changing my clothes, putting on some makeup. And that has really helped. There are a lot of people that that would not help. So I'm not going out and mm -hmm. telling everybody, go put on makeup. I'm saying, figure mm -hmm. out what that thing is for you that you need. And going back to the exercise, I really don't care if I don't exercise for three weeks. Like I don't see a big shift in myself. That's why it's not great self-care for me. But I do see a big shift if I maybe eat out for three weeks instead of cooking meals, because cooking meals is another thing that I do that really works well for my self-care. Mm -hmm. And one thing we wanted to talk about is when you are implementing self-care, ideally it's an antecedent strategy. So it's something that you already have built into your schedule. If you're waiting until you're already in a crisis and then you try and do self-care, it's not nearly effective and it's not gonna work the way you want to do it. It's something that you have to be doing on a regular basis. So can we talk a little bit more about why that is an antecedent strategy? Yeah, and I love the connections between this and behavior in general, whether it's the taking data on yourself or antecedent strategies, because because that's really what all of this is. As we're taking care of ourselves or as we're not taking care of ourselves, it, it's behavior. Um, and so I think, um, you know, I, I think to how I teach my own students with like emotional regulation in my classroom, and I tell them to look for signals, right? So I might not be at you know, this red zone level 10 trashing the room, but I'm putting my head down. So that means some of those frustration things are starting inside me. And how can I intervene now before it gets to that point? Um, so I think it's important to look at our own signals, things like fatigue or irritability or not being as interested or as excited in things or people that we were before, just, just having an off day. And rather than saying, okay, it's an off day, 
it's no big deal saying, this is an off day. I'm going to do something about it before I have 10 off days in a row and we have a problem here. (laughs) Exactly. You know, um, but also with that idea of particularly with um, like the apps or the journaling that I was talking about, I found for me that as I built that into my routines, it became a habit. So building positive, healthy habits that you just start to naturally do. I know for myself, that has been a game changer for me in my own self-care. Things like every Sunday night, I put technology away at seven o'clock. I take a bubble bath, I paint my nails, and I go to sleep. (laughs) And that might not work for everybody, but it's built into my routine now so that I'm starting my week with self-care rather than coming home on Monday, feeling drained already after one day only. And um, just feeling like we're always catching up, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. And Jenny, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this in the interview, but one thing I want to point out for anybody listening is we're not Mm -hmm. saying by doing self-care, it's going to take away all your problems. So it's not like if you're doing a self-care activity every single night, you're never going to have bad days. What we're saying is that if you do self-care, those bad days over time become a little bit easier to manage and bounce back from. So there's a distinction there because I don't want anyone to think we're just being like sunshine and rainbows and be like, your bubble bath will cure your week and you'll, you'll just be golden. So give it a try. <laughs> no, no. And, and what's funny about that specifically is part of the reason I started doing that on Sunday nights is because the whole Sunday scaries thing is, is real. It's really real. Um, and Monday mornings in my type of a classroom setting are always difficult. And so I'm the, one of the hardest things about my job personally, and, and it's actually funny that you bring this up because I was hoping to touch on this a little bit too, is that like as a behavior professional, me being in a better headspace doesn't mean my kid's not going to swear at me that day. <laughs> it doesn't mean my kid's not going to throw chairs. It doesn't mean my kid's not going to have a hard time. It doesn't mean all of my students are going to get all of their points on their point sheets the next day because I took a bubble bath the night before. Not at all. What it does, it puts me, myself, in a better headspace to respond to those things healthily. And a lot of my self-care came out of a lot of time in therapy too. Like talk to other people, get, you know, professional advice if you need to. Cause it doesn't make the bad stuff go, go away. It just builds up your resilience. I often talk about it like, um, like stress is like a metabolism and some people can eat a ton of chocolate bars and never gain weight. And some people can experience a ton of stress and never feel stressed out. I am not one of those people. So my self care is almost like my mental exercise to keep my brain in shape and my brain healthy and resilient for when those stressors do come up in life. Cause they will. Mm-hmm, exactly. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on in this podcast talking about self-care? Yeah, well, I, I touched on it a teeny bit, but I think this is particularly important um, for those of us who do experience challenging behaviors, whether it's in a clinical setting or in a classroom setting. Um, there's a bit of almost trauma that comes along with some of the behaviors that we might experience. And so if anybody ever like wants to reach out to me and talk more about that specifically, by all means, um, I'm not going to, you know, pour it on here right now, but there are certain things that 
you know, we as behavior professionals might focus in on um, in terms of bouncing back from those really, really challenging behaviors because they happen. Um, and so I think it just makes it all the more important for us to be proactive in our profession. Absolutely. I will have a ton of resources linked. I will link all three books that Jenny talked about, as well as I know I have some guided journals that I've really benefited from. We'll pull together some resources, put all those in the show notes for you guys to check out. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was fun.